All right. Welcome. Um, welcome to Conversations from the Front Porch. I am Leslie Cordy, and this morning we are lucky to have with us Dr. Robert Mitzi, who is an associate professor in the Faculty of Education at the University of Manitoba, Canada. Uh, Robert is also the past president of the Canadian Association for the Study of Adult Education and currently is the editor-in-chief of the Canadian Journal for the Study of Adult Education. Welcome, Robert. Hi, Leslie. Good to be here. We are so pleased to have you with us, it's, and it's my first opportunity to sort of meet with you in the person. We were supposed to be involved in a, a large adult education conference in Canada this summer, but which is, has been postponed. So this is delightful to be with you. Yes. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, digital teaching strategies, if that's okay with you this morning. I know that you have a background, though, in terms of research that focuses in on um, both transnational educators and LBGTQ educators in uh, various educational contexts. And you're also author of a wonderful book, uh, or editor of a book and author, in terms of disrupting adult education, um, disrupting adult and community education, uh, teaching, learning, and working in the periphery which you worked on with Tonette Rocco and Sue Shore, which also won an award. Yes, exactly. It was runner-up to the Franson uh, Award for uh, Online Professional and Continuing Education, which is great, uh, very okay. prestigious acknowledgement. All right, well, thank you for, for sharing uh, that information on the award. We are very lucky to have you, and you have a forward by uh, John Field, who I also met a few years ago at a, at a, a conference. So you are well connected across the world, Dr. Mincy. <laughs> I tried. I like to make friends. <laughs> so I do well, we're lucky that you consider us a friend this morning then. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, what you think we should know about digital teaching strategies and, and perhaps how we could start using that information to strengthen our pedagogy, perhaps both in the face-to-face -face and online environment. Sure, sure. And, and certainly when we're looking at this current situation where we're all instructors now <laughs> seems to be are going toward online and have been having, having to get involved with online, I think that instructors would maybe if you know as they're listening to their students, they'd realize that their experience, the students' experiences with online pedagogy perhaps might have had a mixed bag beforehand. And, and, and that's something that I've learned moving forward as I, you know, continue to teach online, um, that students have had a really mixed experiences and some of it are not so positive, uh, you know, where they don't have the instructor writing them back after sending several emails, the PowerPoint is just posted and there's no facilitation, you know, things like that. And they think, so they're coming to your classrooms and my classrooms with, baggage and and right. some of that is <laughs> unraveling that baggage a bit and just saying no this is gonna we're gonna really try to make this a more of a meaningful experience and that should be the the orientation toward the online pedagogy is to really encourage people to have a, a rich of, a, of an experience as they can just as that they would in a face-to-face -face situation so and oh, so, that makes sense, right? Yeah. So, so that's the first thing that you sort of address when when those students come to the classroom, Robert. 
Yeah, it, it is something I, I really, I do poll the students and I just kind of, and I want to know what their experiences have been like so that I can try to unpack some of that and then have them keep open, come to our classes with open minds. Uh, and so something that helps me kind of help, you know, strengthen my online pedagogy that's a little different than the face-to-face, -face, of course, is, is through videos and either their lecture videos, so pre-recorded videos, or broad, your broadcasting live is in, in a synchronous context. Um, I personally prefer the, the uh, making videos um, in advance into an asynchronous situation because you know, sometimes students don't have the time, and certainly now, if they have kids that they're looking after as they're working right. out of home, and then plus they have to engage in your courses and such, they don't have that time so much to log in at that specific time period to catch your lecture. So having right. them recording and sharing those video lectures, and I use Camtasia, but there's other ones that you could use, I'm sure. Okay. Um, yeah, to, 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 do, to introduce yourself, and also to continue on every week with a, a video lecture of some kind. And, and then I post it to a private YouTube channel so that students can watch it, you know, on their own. Because sometimes the, the learning management system doesn't have the actual space to, to host such a large video every week. So I, I rely on YouTube for that. Um, and YouTube does uh, the subtitling to my, my videos. Right. <laughs> it's yes. not... It's not perfect. No. <laughs> and, uh, and I do have to go through every video correcting the subtitles, but it does <laughs> allow me to expand a little bit further. So if I'm mentioning a website in a video lecture, then I can actually use, in, use the subtitles to input the actual lecture, the website address for students to go to. So, um, but it, it does help and students frequently mention how much they just look forward to. I've had I didn't think how popular my lecture videos would be until I had students say to me that they gather their children and their spouses and their partners oh. with them for the the weekly chat with video chat with you know Dr. Mitzi and <laughs> that's and, fantastic. Yeah, and I didn't think it was you know we make these videos as instructors we don't know quite where they're gonna go, right. <laughs> but they they really do have bring. They help bring more than just the the the, the, per, the student to the class, but also to their families. And that's wonderful! What an excellent example of lifelong learning. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the, so children are listening to a university professor and hopefully feeling inspired and sense of where right. they want to go. Uh, so I never thought of that, and that was new. <laughs> That was new to me, and, and I'm thrilled to hear that. Uh, so I make them more a little bit more engaging knowing that. So I try to be as quick. I'm a former drama teacher. Oh, excellent. Kind You're of lucky. Former, <laughs> a former career of mine. And so I'm pretty interactive and you know, try to you know, try to use props or try to use things to really engage people. So now that I know that I've got much more of a wider audience than <laughs> I anticipated, <laughs> you know, and uh, and students just uh, love it. And so that's been thrilling. But I've noticed as as I've been, you know, in light of the pandemic, I've seen some of my colleagues, they're trying this out, and but they're actually defaulting first over to the synchronous context where they're using Zoom and they're teaching or Zoom or other types of platforms to teach uh, you know, in right in this on this moment. Right. And they're they they're they're saying to me, they say, Robert. I'm exhausted at the end. Yes. And I said, how long did you give your lecture for? She's like an hour. And I'm like, 
they said we never felt this before and i said because you don't have that human interaction we don't no. can't just, we can't stop and say bill what do you think about that point or if you got a question on that, you know, to give ourselves that physical break, you know, and the right. talk keeps going. So I recommend to people in those situations where they want to just give a uh, film something in a in a synchronous context to be no more than thirty to forty minutes on their left. That's right. I, I mean, forty minutes tops, you know, right. uh, because you're gonna get exhausted, and so i i feel like just having um after that lecture have the students go out into their breakout groups and zoom yes. out for that for for others they can do that or they can just jump on to the asynchronous context too to the lms and then they can on their own answer certain questions based on your lecture and such um, good idea yeah and another uh, idea that i've used is is call everywhere which is you know a live survey mechanism so if, if you, if you want to take a break from always talking on the video ask students to just you know pull use poll everywhere and to ask an anonymous you know a question that they can answer anonymously by texting in their responses and it shows up on the whiteboard the virtual whiteboard you know right. and it could be something if you're teaching adult teaching methods you're just saying something like what could prevent adult educators from forming a discussion group in class and then the students text in their guesses and then you can use that as a really interactive tool and and just to kind of debrief some of the assumptions and some of the the ideas that are they're appearing up in front of the screen so that's a really good way to get people more involved rather than just sit in front of their screen watching you too, so. Excellent. Well, you've yeah. given us several different strategies, Robert, in terms of, of helping the educator or the instructor develop their sort of expertise in the online environment. You know, so you talked about providing um, the synchronous versus the asynchronous lecture and how to uh, do the asynchronous lecture and post it um, if the LMS doesn't have room, right, onto YouTube or another platform. You also shared with us the idea that the face-to-face the -face lecture is not the same in, in the video conferencing environment, that it can be very difficult to interact with students or exhausting. Right, and so then you gave us some tools to to shift that learning in terms of either the the discussion board or whatever they want to call it, or the poll everywhere, which I think is a great idea to sort of break up that lecture, right, to make sure that the students are are interacting. So that that's a way of motivating the students. What what are some other ways that we can help students stay committed to the learning environment during this pro, uh, period of time? Well, I, I find that when your um, presence, instructor presence is a major factor in online pedagogy by way of communicating frequently, clearly, and simply to the students. You know, they, they can't ask you right on the spot these questions, so you have to walk them through every step. So it could be a matter of watch this video, read this next article, go to the discussion board, respond to two responses, or whatever it is, the steps. The steps have to be there in order for students to follow because they want that and they need that structure. Yes, um, and structure. So, yeah, just to be in an asynchronous context, you know, presence can be accomplished through commenting on discussion board posts. Um, you don't have to respond to every one of them, but uh, you can, I state something like just a picture that I'm circulating around the room and I'll be just 
popping into certain groups and making certain comments and such as I would in an in-person context. So the same thing, you know, uh, always just showing presence by responding to posts and posting a weekly message on the announcement tool. Um, or even writing a student a letter. And it's as much as that seems so basic, it's amazing to me when I, I write a student a letter and I say, I know I really like your, your engagement here. You've got some really strengths here. And just a quick little note. And right. it's amazing to me how many students say they've never received a letter from their professor before. Wow, and that's amazing. <laughs> I know. And I thought, really? It's you should have by this point, but anyway, right. here you go. You have this type of experience and then we can engage each other through a letter because they need to know that they're on track with their learning and that their interactions, they really just, they're craving that feedback. Right. And in, in light of the pandemic too, and I think also it's a good thing to move forward with, I'm realizing not everyone has someone that they're speaking with on a daily basis in, in person because of the wow. pandemic. They could be in self-isolation. And so I prioritize my involvement with those who are alone, who have been alone through this process for weeks and don't, they need that interaction. I, I think it's important for their mental health. So, wow, that's very important, Robert. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, something, yeah, that we need Mental to health, yes. Mental health. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> these students are stressed because like we are through this situation. Yes. Um, and so we want to, so I think just prior, making, checking in on those students who, you know, hopefully you will learn and just ask those questions, what each one, what their unique situations are in dealing right. with the pandemic. And so, then you'll find a little bit more of oh, someone saying, I actually live alone and I'm working out of home and I don't have a roommate, I don't have a partner or children, and that we need to think about them very seriously in, the, in what they're experiencing. And so, and, and try to engage on them more frequently than, than other, perhaps others. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that's key. I didn't even think to ask my students that. So I've gotten a few tips here, but that's probably the first one that I'll make sure um, that I use this week <laughs> with my students as I wrap up, uh, as we wrap up this semester. So I, I think that personalization, right, or the presence, mm -hmm. as you said, is probably really important to the students to make sure that they feel like they are part of that learning experience and that they're important to the learning experience. You had said mm -hmm. that, you had said that you had even addressed that at the very beginning of your classes, Robert, which I thought was really uh, crucial in terms of, of helping them set the experience from the very beginning that you did care, right? Yes. Like what, what did, what happened at the, what has happened in the past and, and what you would like the experience to be in the future? Absolutely. And, and that's where, um, you know, when you're, when you're giving an announcement, a weekly announcement, in, in addition to some of the course information and perhaps some content, asking students, what are you doing for yourself today? You know, and just little prompts to, to remind them to think about their wellness. And, and that helps show that you care about their, their well-being and their, in their development uh, as people, so. Yeah, and I do think that that's part of our role. I mean, even though um, all educators, I believe, care, I think even more we care as adult educators, as lifelong learners, right, to build that into the whole context of the lifelong learning experience. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's, that's important. So I know all, all of these tips and, and um, 
the information and your your passion about learning um, has has made you who you are today and mm -hmm. editor in chief of the the Canadian Journal for the Study of Adult Education. What would you recommend as we move forward, perhaps during this time frame and in the future, um, how we can develop as um, individual lifelong learners or um, as adult educators or even online educators? Mm -hmm. What would be some suggestions for professional development? Right. Um, I would actually, I think tr I've learned through trial and error a lot, and that's a, a bit of that incidental learning that Marzik and Watkins talks about, you know, <laughs> um, just yeah. realizing, oh, that didn't work so well, I'm going to try something. So you're always, always improving the courses, and, and at the end of every course, you think, you ask yourself, what could I do better or differently here? And, and that helps continue on with that learning trajectory. Um, attending lectures or workshops if they're available through your university's or college system would be really useful. Um, I actually have just, I'm a recent graduate of the <laughs> University of Illinois Springfield campus uh, graduate certificate in higher education online pedagogy. Oh, really? Uh, I just finished my last lecture last week, so I am done with that certificate. It was brilliant and really helpful. And really? I was able to take that certificate program. Um, but of course, if, you, if affordable, you know, looking at those types of opportunities would be really useful. Um, and just sharing stories and uh, of experiences with online pedagogy with each other. Um, one thing that we have that's a benefit that's different than uh, in an in-person situation is that we can have we can add instructors, as long as they're a part of the internal uh, uh, university system or college system, they, we can add them to our courses so they can become like silent observers and see how you're interacting and learn from that. Um, and as much as we can invite our colleagues to sit down in our face-to-face -face classrooms, their presence there may have an impact on the students. But in this other way, they're more invisible learners in some ways just to observe your pedagogy and you can do the same for them as well you can you can be added to their class roster and oh. and, just, and watch them interact and then give each other feedback you know over time so uh, so is that a is that a structured peer review or is it something that's more informal robert more informal, I think, um, you know, of instructors just wanting to see how you're teaching online and then you can see how their, your, their colleagues are teaching online and you can just have after that, have those conversations peer to peer, you know, why you made certain decisions and such. Um, and, and maybe some new ideas can come out of it. I think that would be really brilliant. To be, to oh, but that's only for people who would be part of your university uh, uh, system. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Unfortunately, there is a limitation there. Um, we can't always, at least with my system, maybe it's different with yours, but we can No, can't. I think that that's probably a policy in terms of like student privacy, but yeah. I think it's a fabulous idea in terms of, uh, you know, I, I have done uh, something similar in the past, but it's only sort of been in terms of the structured peer review process where I need to have someone. Whereas I think that the idea that we could share that, share those ideas about peer, peer review and peer development, professional development might be able to grow outside the system if we could do that. Like uh, 
I don't know how that would work though. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and maybe as we develop our practice, maybe and then the technology develops with us, yes. we can look at some other ways to including other people who can give us some sort of feedback um, who may be not a part of that system. Um, so that would be thrilling. Um, but uh, we'll work with what we can. Yes, <laughs> yes. Really and I, yeah. And, you know, maybe it would even be just for something that had to do with dealing with diversity, you know, a, le a specific lecture that you're having on diversity and equity or something so that you could build your repertoire or your, your own personal background, right? You haven't really done any lectures related to that and had someone mm -hmm. who's an expert like yourself could come mm -hmm. in and make sure that we were um, developing our skills around a specific topic. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to thank you for uh, spending some time with us this morning. Um, you've given us a lot to think about in terms of digital strategies and, and, and simple things that we can do to improve um, the classroom environment, whether it be face-to-face -face or, or online, Robert, I, I think that I've walked away. I'm going to take, I've took some notes this morning. And I know that you alluded to a few different tools um, during this, this morning, and it sounds like you're an expert in terms of some of the technologies. Do you want to just refresh our memory in terms of uh, what your experiences have been and what you might suggest as we go forward in terms of technologies? Um, really, the, the learning management system is key to learn all the tools within the, the, the college system, whatever is provided to you. We, we use desire to learn but people may use Blackboard and just really learn those. But perhaps some other types of technologies external to that could be social media, um, for just engaging from Twitter and Facebook and those other means to, to have alternate learning sources. Camtasia for creating videos, um, YouTube for uploading them, poll everywhere, and also Kahoot is another kind of fun game to have right. online, you know, where people can kind of compete against one another, answering, you know, on pop quiz type questions. Um, and then I would say for, you know, uh, videos, um, if you want to create, have students create videos, Powtoon or Movely are really interesting, uh, interesting uh, programs to use where students can create avatars of themselves and lead you through a seminar of some kind. Um, websites or e-portfolios are great for with Wix or Weebly and then in mind maps. Uh, what comes to mind is like Mind Maple, but there's other types of mind mapping like software. So those are really some fun uh, little uh, tools that you can kind of engage externally to the university or college system and try to embed them in your in your pedagogy. I think those are uh, we want to be as creative and as supportive as we can as online instructors. I think so too. I think and I think there's a lot of resources as you pointed to, some of which are are are, are free um, that we can explore to use. So those are some great ideas. Well, I want to thank you for spending some time with us this morning again. You can find uh, Dr. Robert Mitzi at robertmitzi.com. You can also find him on Twitter at Dr. R.C. Mitzi. And um, you can find him um, on our podcast this morning talking to us about digital teaching strategies. Thank you so much, Robert. We appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you, Leslie. It's been wonderful.